This morning we'll be continuing with our Christmas series where we are looking at Isaiah 9-6. And last week, Tim very helpfully introduced the verse, um, introduced the series, explained the context of the verse and how Isaiah was speaking into a period of great darkness for the Jews. It was a time of war. It was a time of chaos. And um, Isaiah speaks into this darkness and tells of a coming saviour. He tells of a light that's going to shine into their darkness and show them the way and increase the joy of all. Tim spoke to us about how Jesus would be our wonderful counsellor. And this week I'll be looking at the next name given to Jesus in this verse. So let's reread the passage now. Please get your Bibles out brought my Bible up, but it's actually the wrong version, so I'm just going to go from my iPad. Um, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called Mighty God. Now, in Hebrew, mighty God is translated as El Gibor, um, not El Gibbon, as I originally typed into the search engine. Um, So El means God, and Gibor means mighty. And this word, Gibor, or mighty, was frequently used in the Bible to describe warriors. It defines someone of strength, power. It defines someone who was a hero to the people. So Isaiah 9.6 tells us that the coming saviour, Jesus, is El Gibor, the God of strength, the God of power, the warrior God, the one who fights for us. And the Jews expected an anointed human warrior type figure to come to earth. They weren't expecting a God man because to that To them, that would have been a blasphemous idea to say that God could become a man. That he would be God become flesh, that he would be human just like us was not expected to the Jews at all. They expected this heroic figure to arrive on the scene with war, fire and blood to rescue them from the Romans who were oppressing them. They thought their saviour would come ready made and destroy their enemy and then set them, the Jews, up to reign alongside him. They would not expect this great hero story to start the way it did, with parents such as his who were basically nobodies, or for him to have been born in a stable with animals. This is not how the Jews imagined their great saviour, their descendant of King David, would arrive on the scene. And at Christmas, we retell the story of the birth of Jesus. We tell the story of an inn, a stable, with Jesus in a manger. We tell of the donkey, of the shepherds, and the sheep. And often it's a favourite play in schools at Christmas time. Now every teacher of young children has a story to tell about the Christmas nativity play. There are stories such as the time the innkeeper, when asked if there was room at the inn, said plenty, and then offered the startled Holy Family into his inn. There was a time where uh, Mary was cradling a big blonde doll with curls and um, it promptly started to say, I need my nappy changed, I need my nappy changed. Um, Joseph stepped in to help her by picking the doll up by the hair and punching it in the face, which promptly stopped the doll making any noise. 
On another occasion, the children had been asked to illustrate the Christmas story. And one child had done something very colourful, very beautiful, where Mary was on the donkey and then there was Joseph. And then behind Mary there was this monstrous black creature with yellow eyes and feelers. And when the teacher asked the child, what, what, is, what is this? The child was like, it's the flea. The teacher was like, the flea? He was like, yeah, you know, in the Bible story, Miss said the angel of the Lord told Mary and Joseph to take the baby and flee to Egypt. Just love the um, way children take things so literally. Um, So the nativity is a well-known story, both to those who believe and those who think of it as a fairy tale. It's been told and retold so often that in some ways it has lost some of its power. It's easy to remember and to celebrate the fact that our Saviour was born, as well we should, but it's easy to forget what it actually cost him to be born. Jesus, the creator of the universe and the ruler of the stars, became so vulnerable that his mother had to nurse him. The bread of life would know hunger. The fountain of living water would know thirst. Strength itself would know weakness. The healer would be wounded and life itself would die. Mighty God became a baby. And comparatively, though humans are the absolute pinnacle of God's creation, God becoming a human baby could probably be compared to you becoming a sheep or something like that in terms of what he gave up. He felt hunger, cold, thirst, rejection, loss, fear, the whole realm of human emotions after knowing nothing but joy and peace his entire existence. But although he became human, Jesus remained one with absolute power and authority. Though he knew hunger and thirst, he was still the bread, the bread of life and the fountain of living water. He was still a mighty God just in human form. And this is why he can make the claims he did. This is why he could say that he and Father God are one. This is why he could say to the Jews at his trial where he was being tried for blasphemy that one day he would be seen sitting at the right hand of God and coming on the clouds of heaven. And when he was on earth, Jesus demonstrated his might as a son of God through the miracles that followed him. His supernatural acts confirmed that he was mighty God. And I said at the beginning that Jesus wasn't who the Jews wanted or expected. And it's really easy to judge them for that. But would he be what you'd have expected? Would he be what you'd wanted? If you were suffering from oppression and you knew one day someone would come to save you, who would you want to come and save you? Who would you expect? Would you want someone like this? Or maybe someone like this. Someone who's going to fight your corner. Maybe it's someone like this. That's probably who I'd quite like to come rescue me. Um, (laughs) But would you want someone like this? Many of Jesus' actions on earth demonstrated his power and who he was as mighty God. But his death and resurrection are undoubtedly the most significant proof that Jesus is Israel's mighty God spoken of in Isaiah 9.6. So when I was writing this one, I wrote in my notes, remember this is a Christmas preach. Because in reality, I assume people probably wouldn't want to be thinking about the you know, death and resurrection, the crucifixion at this time of year. You know, that's Easter. Christmas is merriment and joy and all of that sort of thing. 
But the thing is, the whole point of Jesus' birth was the cross. Everything led to the cross. Although Jesus came to earth to do lots of things, he came to teach, he raised leaders, he came to demonstrate the love of God for us. Ultimately, Jesus was born to die. And Jesus didn't run away from death. He ran to it. He knew what was coming and he laid down his life willingly for us. No one took it from him. He is the undefeated man. And the cross is a place of victory. It's not just the place of the law court where justice was done. It's the place of the battlefield. We can worship God not just for his act of compassion, his act of love for us, but his act of conquest and victory. And Matthew 121 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. At Christmas, we see the birth of our mighty God, who would one day give his life on the cross, and in doing so would crush Satan under his heel and utterly destroy the power of death and sin, reigning forever victorious. And he is still reigning. In his resurrection, he demonstrated his great power by coming back from the dead. Jesus overcame and he is now seated high over every authority, power, leader, ruler and government. He is over all things in our lives and in this world. And because of what he did on the cross for us, he was able to send his spirit, the spirit of the mighty God, to then come and dwell in those who accept him as saviour. And his power still continues to be demonstrated through what he does through our prayers, but also what he does through us, through his Holy Spirit. He still does marvellous and miraculous things all over the world. And we may not see the supernatural on a particularly regular basis. We see it in the way he answers our prayers, but in the more obvious miracles, we don't see it so often. But it doesn't mean it's not happening A few years ago, um, I went to Mexico as part of a mission trip, and I saw healings and deliverances like I'd never seen. I saw mighty God doing some stuff, and um, I'd always been quite sceptical about miracles. It's like, I absolutely believe they're true and happen today, but I'm very logical and tend to question everything, which is probably why I was such a nightmare for my mum growing up. Um, So on this mission, we were told that we were going to be praying for people, you know, we were the guest missionary people um, and was sort of supposed to be praying for healing for people and I was completely panicking internally um, but I was on the front trying to appear confident spiritual like I absolutely believed in what I was going to be doing and I went over to this teenage girl who needed prayer and her mum told me that she was completely deaf in one ear because of where a cotton bud had um, perforated her eardrum and she wanted prayer I was like you know this isn't just a sore stomach or a bad finger this was deafness in the ear that I was supposed to be praying for and um so I just really I sort of was panicking I said to God I don't know how to do this and swear Holy Spirit said it's okay you're not the one doing it anyway which was quite reassuring um and so I just said a few times in the name of Jesus ear open and nothing happened I said it a few more times and then suddenly she reacted and she was like I can hear and I was like, oh, really? Can you? <laughs> and she, she was less surprised than me because, you know, that they just expect God to heal. Where I was, I was completely in disbelief that it actually happened. And um, I completely gave away my facade of absolute trust in God's healing power at that point. 
But it's, it's happening. Mighty God is doing stuff all over the world like this. He's still healing just like he did in the Bible. Like, he's still doing this stuff. It's still happening. And although we don't heal people, we, we can't perform miracles. He can do it th- through us because we have the spirit of the living Jesus inside of us. We still have the power that raised Jesus from the dead and still raises people from the dead. It still causes demons to flee. He still causes disease and sickness to perish. We have this spirit now. You have the spirit of mighty God dwelling inside of you. That's amazing. And one day, one day he'll come again in person, crowned as king in true glorious color, showing us who he really is, fully manifested as mighty God. When Jesus was crucified, Pilate put a sign over his head that said, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And the Jews didn't want it to say that. They wanted to say, this is like, he said he was the king of the Jews, suggesting that it was a false claim he was making. And Pilate said, well, what I have written, I've written. And unwittingly, uh, Pilate declared an absolute truth about Jesus, that he was king of all. Um, and as Isaiah 9-7, which is the verse after the one we read earlier, states, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The word mighty in Isaiah 9-6 refers to a warrior, but it also refers to a king's leadership role. As mighty God, the Messiah will be a brave and powerful leader, finally leading his people the way that a king should. He will be a powerful leader ruling over the armies of God like no leader before him. And he will be the divine hero and champion defender of his people. One day, Jesus, almighty God, will sit on his eternal throne and reign over all. And every creature and person on earth will bow and worship him as Lord. He's not just a mighty God. He's not just one of the many. He's the mighty God, the only one. And in Revelation, John writes of his experience of seeing Jesus in heaven. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. He was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a gold sash across his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth with a sharp double-edged sword, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one, I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. Jesus is magnificent, and this is who we worship. Not a beige or boring figure, not just a great teacher or a good man, but the very fire of mighty God himself. And when he comes to earth again, all will be restored. In the new heavens and earth, everyone will be as God intended them to be. For the first time since Eden... 
C.S. Lewis wrote that we will discover that what we call the end of our lives is not the end at all. It's only the beginning of chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And Jeff Lucas, a Christian writer, wrote, Wonder is still available, and it's spawned by no fairy tale, digital effect, or Pixar wizardry. It comes from the one whom Isaiah said was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And here's the best part about the story. It's true. This is no fairy tale that offers a temporary warm feeling which fades fast as the lights go up and we stumble back to a reality that doesn't include backing music. This is more than the fruit of an imaginative mind or a skillful screenwriting team who are paid lots of money to help distract you from the predictability of most of our days. This is a true story. We are not alone. Not only have we been visited, but we've been rescued, not by a muscly warrior, but by the coming of a tiny child. So this Christmas, I really hope you enjoy yourselves. I hope you enjoy your Christmas presents, your decorations, your Christmas markets, the mulled wine and mince pies. I know I will. And I hope that you have a lot of fun with family and friends. But I want you to remember, more than anything else, the baby that was born for you. That magnificent miracle the mighty God in human form. Does the band want to come up? Sorry, I forgot to say that before. Um, the mighty God in human form. I want you to remember why he came, what this meant for you, and let the joy of this infuse your Christmas more than anything else. <laughs>